this morning as I was reading in Luke. I was in chapter 16 this morning, and I read the parable, what's titled in my Bible, The Unrighteous Steward. However, there was a huge half a page or more, actually, of study notes that applied to the first eight verses of the chapter of Luke 16. The interesting thing about my Bible is that it's a study Bible, but it's not got a lot of study notes. The truth is um, I had an NIV study Bible for years, and that NIV study Bible had notes on every page. But this NASB Greek-Hebrew Bible that I use and have used um, for five years now has not got actually a lot of study notes on each page. So when I see a page that half of the page is taken for study notes, it kind of tips me off that it might be worth reading. So this morning I want to share with you um, just a little revelation that the Lord gave me as I was reading. Now this is not, you guys, new information. Um, And I expect that you live in the Word And I expect that you have revelation from the word daily. And so um, there's nothing new under the sun, but it bears repeating because our carnal minds, our fleshy minds tend to forget at times the Lord's goodness, the Lord's faithfulness. And this book bears repeat reading over and over because we forget. We just do in our human minds. We forget. Or sometimes we don't prioritize the thing that's most important. However, this study, I'm going to read it, it's not that long, um, said something which caught my attention in a new way. So maybe it'll catch your attention in a new way this morning to remind you of a critical point in the kingdom of God. So let's read the eight verses here, the first eight verses in Luke 16, the unrighteous steward. Now, he, we're talking about Jesus was also saying to the disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and this steward was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account for your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. And the steward said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I know what I shall do so that when I'm removed from the stewardship, they will receive me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write out 80. And his master praised the unrighteous steward because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Now, if I'm honest with you, and I've admitted this before now, I know we have some new folks on the call, and I welcome you and I bless you. And if you haven't heard this this morning or before this morning, you're going to hear it now. I am not a Bible scholar. I do not consider myself a theologian, although by definition I might be. Everybody who's seeking after more of the Lord probably is considered that, but I don't consider myself a theologian. I am not highly educated. I am a daughter of the living God, 
and I love his word. But when I read this in the past, this parable has tripped me up a time or two because I don't quite understand all of the implication of what Jesus is saying as he recounts the story. And so I've asked for Holy Spirit to bring enlightenment, and I've seen it a couple different ways. But in my study Bible this morning, I read something that I've never considered before. So if you have, many of you are preachers, if you have um, dissected this verse down, these chapters down, and you've dissected these words, and you know exactly what this means, and I'm off base, let's talk. But if, like me, you sort of wonder what this parable could be, I think the study Bible here just gives us a really great insight. So let's just read a little bit. See, here's the catch. To understand this parable, two words must be translated and comprehended. Um, the word "diableth" in verse 1 is translated as reported. Now, let me just read it in verse 1. Now, he was also saying to the disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and, and this steward was reported to him as squandering possessions. Well, the word is actually not translated reported. The word diableth should actually be translated as falsely accused. It's derived from diabolo, which is the word diabolus, which means devil. Devil is derived from the word diabolo. So what this means is the devil's accusations are always false. It changes the meaning of this parable if we don't read the word reported. Maybe your version of the Bible has the word correctly translated as falsely accused. But if we read it like that, it says there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and this steward was falsely accused to him as squandering his possessions. Wow, that sort of changes the entire premise of the parable. The unjust person in this parable, I'm back on the study reading, is actually not the business manager, not the steward, but the rich employer. The unjust person is the rich employer who dismissed his steward on hearsay of or false accusation. You see, the next important word that we find that needs to be translated correctly is found in verse 4. And that word is um, removed from. It says, I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they will receive me into their homes. Well, this Greek word is, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, metastasto, metastasto, which where the word removed is, is the same as taken away from this world. Okay, so let me read it like that. I know that what I, sh what I shall do so that when I am taken away from this world, they will receive me into their homes. So the basic lesson of this parable is that when the business manager or the steward was given a termination notice from his job and was required to collect the bad debt that was still due to his Lord before his final removal, get this, he engaged in the forgiveness of part of the debts due to his Lord so that 
the believer must act from the moment he is saved. What is this saying? What it's saying is from the moment we, you, me, those that are in relationship with Jesus, are saved from our sin and enter into relationship with Jesus, the act that we must immediately engage in is forgiveness of others. In view of this word metastasis, his removal from this earth, must he must engage in the declaration of the forgiveness of debts or sins against him. This is the line that caught me. This declaration of forgiveness of sins is the most important thing that any believer can engage in during his life of faith before his departure from earth in death. That startled me. We are not those that go around in imparting forgiveness for the sake of salvation. That's Jesus' job, right? Because really, confession in the initial response in the call of the Spirit to the Lord for the first time is only part of it. It's not just forgiveness of sins. It's repentance on the part of that person, which is changing their mind, changing their ways. We've talked about this many times. That's not what this is referring to. This is referring to sin done to you. This is referring to wrong done by others to you. This is a horizontal relationship. And this study is saying that when you engage in a vertical relationship with Jesus, from the moment that takes place, you have to horizontally begin forgiving those who have done wrong to you. Not a new concept. The truth is we can turn the page and read on further in Luke, and we're going to find out that that the rich man and Lazarus um, and and and. Jesus talks about forgiving others. Um, We can go on and read instructions in chapter 17, and the first thing it talks about is um, offense and forgiving others. Listen, this is not a new concept in the Word, but to have the study part of this Bible say to me, this is the declaration of forgiveness that is most important in the life of a believer. This is the most important thing a believer can engage in during his life of faith before he dies is a strong statement. And so, I prayed about this this morning. I began praying, why is this? Is this true? Now, remember, this is, the, this is um, you know, someone taking the Greek um, interpretation of the words. This is their opinion. However, I will say that I have a Bible that's um, study, written, and interpreted by Spiro Zohedis. Um, and he's highly acclaimed, highly um, affluent, and, and much respected and honored. It's still a person's opinion, right? But I began to pray, Lord, is this your heart? Is this opinion of you? And if so, why is this forgiveness of others the most important thing we can engage in? And this is what came to my heart. This is what I feel like Holy Spirit answered me. Unforgiveness starts with hurt. It's, it starts with hurt. Sometimes we're wronged by another and we are hurt and there's every fairness for us to be hurt. It's, it's reasonable for us to be hurt. Sometimes 
we misjudge what someone says or does, and there's no reason for hurt, but it happens anyways. But when that hurt is left unchecked, it leads to offense. Offense leads to bitterness and unforgiveness. If offense is left unchecked in a life of a believer or anyone else, the offense that occurs in that one area of hurt or trauma or wounding will begin to affect every other area of your life and you will become an offendable person in all areas of your life. Offense in one area always leads to offense in all areas of your life if left unchecked. It's bitter root. Bitter root grows bitter fruit. Fruit of unforgiveness. The fruit of offense. Why are we talking about this today? Because, you guys, I don't care what position you hold or do not hold. This is the problem of the church today. Everybody's offended. This is the problem of the world today. Everybody's offended. Now, I'm not bagging on the church. I'm just calling it like I see it, and I'm trying to do it with love. But every place I go in 10 years, in 10 years of full-time ministry, itinerant, traveling everywhere, I don't think we've come to a church yet where there's not a root of bitterness somewhere, somehow, of offense. And that is what the Lord works through to bring revival, is the forgiveness of sin. He touches our heart and softens us and shows us, I have forgiven much to you. You have to forgive your brother. You have to forgive your sister. And in that release, that repentance, comes revival. We see it all the time. All the time. Offense is something that is not prone to immature believers. This is something that can catch the most mature believers. I've watched it happen. I've been a part of it. It's happened to me. We become and have been desensitized by the culture, by the enemy, by the world, to be an easily offendable people. And remember, I told you that Jesus teaches about this a lot. He talks about it a lot. In verse 17, he talks about offense and being on our guard and always forgiving, 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 forgiving. Why is that important that we talk about it on a Monday morning to a group of solid, mature believers? I'll tell you why. Because it affects how we pray. You see, if we jump back in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11 says this, 11, 25, and 26, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. That's pretty straightforward. One of my precious people a couple weeks ago, she's an older lady. In fact, she's the, one of the oldest members of our church, um, said to me after I, I preached, she said to me, 
You know, when you read the word this morning, it's like you can't refute it. It was right there in black and white. There wasn't any argument. There wasn't any opinion. It was exactly what the Lord was saying. It was just right there. And isn't that the truth today? As we read these scriptures, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father for in heaven forgive you your transgressions. This is pretty black and white. There's not a lot of opinion swaying here. False interpretation here. Forgiveness matters. Not only has the Lord forgiven us much, and it's our duty to not only receive that, but also to give that to others, I tend to agree with this study Bible author that this is the most important thing any believer can engage in in the life of faith before he departs, keeping a clear heart of unforgiveness it's it's not the fact that we might get hurt or when we will get hurt it's going to happen jesus said in this world you will have trouble right he didn't say you might or it could happen or if you're lucky you won't he said you will have trouble you guys were going to be hurt pastors you're going to be hurt our people our people do things that break our hearts Sometimes it's not even against us. Sometimes it's against another person or against the Lord. But it causes us to see them differently, to be hurt, to be offended if it's left unchecked. I don't think we're in trouble when we're hurt. I think we're in trouble when we don't go to the Lord with that hurt and let it go. Ask the Lord to allow us to forgive. And you know what? I've had something happen. This is just my opinion, but I'm going to throw my two cents in here. Um, I've had people um, say I have to um, for, ask forgiveness because I've been offended at you um, because you hurt my feelings when you said la, la, la. Can I, can I just say that some apologies are really, really um, not apologies, but they're them telling us how we offended them and they've been carrying that offense and there's a zero forgiveness in that. You don't always have to go to the person. Sometimes people hurt you and offend you and it's on you. Sometimes you heard wrong and the enemy twisted words and sometimes you need to let go of some stuff in your heart without ever saying a word to that person, just continuing to love them. Because sometimes a conversation will lead to more offensive words. Be very careful. Be very careful. Be very careful that you don't start an argument by going to forgive. Also, when you say, I need to forgive you because you hurt me, that already puts a person on guard. That's not always very loving. We need to be really careful how we do this right? We need to be forgiving, motivated by agape love from Jesus. And so sometimes we're going to have to let some stuff go without saying a word, just continuing to love. But if we, if we have harboring hurt in our life, that, that quickly turns to offense. And pretty soon we're offended at a lot of different things, not just one or two. 
I notice it happening. Sometimes I'm so short and I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I short-tempered or why am I short? Um, why am I not steadfast with uh, long-suffering? What What's going on? And I realize that I've been hurt by something and it's been left unchecked and now I'm just hurt and offended by everybody. And it doesn't take long for that to sort of overcome your good fruit, right? You begin to bear fruit that's in keeping with offense instead of fruit and repentance that's in keeping with repentance. We talked about that last week, fruit in keeping with repentance, or the week before, excuse me. And and sometimes our fruit quickly changes and we're like, what in the world is wrong with us? What's wrong with our fruit? And we begin to ask the Holy Spirit to search us. And um, nine times out of ten, I've become offended at something I had no business being offended by. And, you know, notice when Jesus begins to talk about offense, he doesn't talk about, you know, well, if you've really been treated unjustly, you have the right to be offended. No, it doesn't matter if it's a just or if you perceive offense, or if it's truly offense, it doesn't matter. You have to let it go. You have to forgive. There's no criteria set around this except for your Father in Heaven has forgiven you. You have to forgive your fellow man. And we can't expect to do that with ones we love only. Because if you're forgiving people that you love, that's no different than anybody from the world. But forgiving people who have ought against you or consider you an enemy or heaven, help us. We may consider them an enemy. I hope that's not the case. But if we have that going on and we are harboring unforgiveness, we can't pray for them. And remember, God tells us in his word to pray for those who are your enemy. Bless them and not curse them. How can we pray for them if we have unforgiveness against them? You know, honestly, when I struggle because I've been hurt and and it's left unchecked, and I'm like, Lord, what do I do with these feelings? And the Lord says, pray for them. When I go to pray for them, immediately I have to forgive them. I have to let go of whatever I'm harboring. I can't pray for them. I can't intercede. I can't pray a blessing on them and their household. I can't pray love in their heart and love in my heart for them if I haven't forgiven them. And so it's critical that we be a people of forgiveness, especially intercessors. Why is that? Because our right standing in the Lord is the requirement that must be met for us to pray and intercede at all. We don't have any business praying and interceding for anybody else or anything else if we're not in right standing with the Lord. And can we be in right standing if we bear offense, bitterness, and unforgiveness in our hearts? And so I I don't like to use, you know, really um, – This is a really opinionated statement to say that the most important thing, but I'll tell you, it's critical. It's critical that in the life of any believer, we must engage in forgiving others in our life of faith before we can depart. So this morning, I want us to pray into this. I know this isn't new information, but boy, it really struck me this morning.
And, you know, I, I, I had even spent some time repenting because um, I, I do daily repentance. I don't believe that, that we uh, repent once and we're good, guys. I just, that, that does not bring true. So I, I practice um, daily repentance by the Holy Spirit, asking him to really search me. And, you know, I'm not sure that I'm harboring any unforgiveness at this moment, but this still spoke to me because it's so true, because any moment we are tempted to be offended, any moment we are tempted to receive a hurt and hold on to it, it doesn't take much. Everybody's offended. You can't even hardly say anything now without somebody being like, you just offended me, right? We can't be that people. Jesus was not offended. You guys have heard it taught. Think about it. If he was offended at any moment, he would not have gone through with the crucifixion. He would not have gone through with the taking of our sins upon himself. He would have, he would have stopped early on when the Pharisees started you know, laying claims against him. And he surely would have been irritated at Pilate and Herod and Caiaphas and Annas, and for Pete's sake, he would have been offended that they chose Barabbas to be released over him, but we don't see Jesus offended for one moment, not one. He was always forgiving, always free of bitterness, always free of unforgiveness, so too must we be. We need to pray into this. Holy Spirit, I would ask that you would just search us all. I can't really even pray that for anybody else, but, Lord, I'm doing it anyway. I especially pray it for myself this morning. Would you search us, Father? Would you show us the moments in our life where we were hurt by someone and we harbored unforgiveness? And maybe, God, we forgave that person. Maybe we've gone through deliverance and healing. Maybe we've gone through repentance before, and we've really prayed for those people. And it's so easy to pick that back up after the fact. Some of us have forgiven, and then we picked up unforgiveness again. Some of us were free of offense and free of hurt and free of bitterness, and you ripped it out by the root, and then all of a sudden something happened, and we became offended again. Lord, would you search us and show us areas in our life where we have bitterness that's built up or unforgiveness that's unchecked. And Lord, help us if we are really struggling with a relationship with someone. I'll admit it, Lord, you know I am. You know I am. And Father, I'll lay it down and I'll I'll repent and forgive and love and pray blessing, and then they'll do something else, and it starts all over again. And, Lord, i got to get out of this cycle. I don't want to be in this cycle. In fact, I know right now I'm not in this cycle, but, Lord, the temptation will come later for me to be in this cycle again. And, Lord, I'm just laying this down. I want to be free from this. And so I know that your word is correct. I know the criticalness of engaging and forgiving others. Lord, toughen our skin, that we're not so offendable. Lord, I don't want to be easily hurt. I don't want to be hard. I don't want a hard heart. So I'll pray the prayer of Carol Ketchum, Lord, toughen my skin and tender my heart. Lord, I pray that those darts and arrows that the enemy throws at us for offense and hurt just like flow right off our back, like water off a duck's back. I pray that today. 
Lord, I don't want to be an offendable person. I don't want to be chronically offended. I don't want to keep wrestling with this. Lord, it affects my intercession. It affects my prayer life. It affects my preaching. It affects all of my life, and I don't want it. And, Lord, I feel like I can pray this prayer really well today because I'm not walking in this today. You and I have talked. You've searched my heart. You know where I'm at. And, Lord, I thank you that the next time there's a temptation, your Holy Spirit's going to remind me this is not something you're going to pick up. So thank you, Jesus, that you're calling us to be a forgiving people. I thank you that no one even has to ask for our forgiveness for us to freely give it. I thank you that no one has to repent to us for us to freely give it. You just say be forgiving. You just say forgive. No criteria, no prerequisites needed, just forgive. And so, Lord, I thank you that you will help us pray into this by your spirit. We love you today, Jesus. Father, I thank you today for this word in my heart. Jesus says that we would, I think this is your heart. I think that we would just, Lord, ask that you would help us continue to wrestle with this. That, Lord, we would not be desensitized or hardened, but that, Lord, we would be a a people that wrestle through to unforgiveness. Lord, there are some things that have been visited upon us that have been pretty horrible, and I don't make light of those things. Lord, I sit with people all the time who have had catastrophic abuse, who have been mistreated at such a young age that their very innocence was taken from them. Lord, it, it's it's no it's no disservice and desensitization for me to speak this out, realizing that there are some really wrong atrocities that have been visited upon us. But Lord, you you want us to be overcomers. You made a way for us to live life and life abundant. And we cannot live overcoming abundant lives if we are mired down in unforgiveness. And so, Lord, no matter the atrocity, no matter the abuse, no matter the trauma, no matter the wounding, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just give us the grace by your spirit to forgive. Lord, in that act of forgiveness, you are not asking us to enter into unhealthy, toxic relationships, but you are asking us to love with a clear heart. And so, Jesus, we want to be able to do that. We really, really do. And, Lord, I don't make light of this. Some of this cannot be handled in one hour in one morning. Some of us have to walk through this with you. And some of this is going to have to be a daily moment by moment, walking out to stay free. Because that's what this is, Jesus. It's getting free and staying free. And that has to happen moment by moment, day by day. And so, Lord, I, I don't make light of this, but I ask you in your kindness and your compassion and your goodness, will you help us no matter what it has been that's been done to us or repeatedly done to us? It's it's interesting to me, Jesus, sometimes I find that I can forgive the really big things, but I have a hard time and get caught up with some of the silly little things. I don't know why that is, but Lord, I just don't want it to be the case with anything. 
And so, Jesus, I thank you today for this word. I thank you for this reminder. And I thank you, will you, by your Holy Spirit, to continue to remind us when we hear something that hurts. God, will you just remind us of this word? When we, when we, God, I, I love what my sister Darcy prayed, God, when we have a propensity to say something that might hurt others, Lord, shut our mouth. Guard our mouth, Lord. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything that would harm someone else. I want to speak life. I want to speak life motivated by your love. And so, Lord, set a guard over our mouth that, Lord, we wouldn't be the cause. I thank you, Jesus, that we're today going to practice more listening and less speaking, to be slow to speak and even slower to anger and even slowest to offend someone. God, we don't want to hurt anyone. And so I thank you, God, that you will help us to do this today. Lord, I ask you this. Would you sharpen our intercession? Would you give us new prayers to pray? Would you call us to be a submitted intercessor deeper, deeper, deeper to you that we could hear your spirit and pray by your spirit in these days when it's so critical for your church to rise up in the authority you've given her? Yes. Help us pray her up, Jesus. Help us intercede better, Jesus. We don't have it figured out, Jesus. We need your help. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us new prayers. Holy Spirit, give us new burdens today or reburden us for what it is that you've called us to stand in the gap for. We love you today, Jesus. Thank you for a spirit of perseverance. Thank you for a spirit of endurance for your intercessors. And thank you, Jesus, for calling more intercessors, more watchmen on the wall. We love you, Jesus. We praise you today, God, and we give you glory. We pray that you've been edified in this and that the body has been edified as well. May every word we say and action we do today bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.